Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends and sometimes a guest commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. I'm Allison Green. And I'm Rebecca Durant-Tyne. And today we are anxious about health. All right, so um, we've got a topic today that I am just going to venture to guess is going to end up being one of our more downloaded episodes. No pressure at all, Rebecca. Um, and, but but we, uh, all, all joking aside, we're thrilled to have you here today. Um, I would love to just start by kind of fading into the distance for a second and letting you um, let our listeners know um, who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, it's always sort of a difficult question to answer, you know, at back when we used to have parties, if we remember what that was. <laughs> What's a party, Rebecca? <laughs> uh, and people would ask, yeah, what do you do? And it's, uh, it's a more difficult question for me to answer, especially in recent years. But um, first and foremost, I'm a, a teacher uh, by, by trade. And then uh a lot of stuff happened <laughs> in the last three years that uh, didn't change that, but just kind of altered the form that that took. Um, so I was in my 20s, bopping along, uh, started teaching, um, you know, was doing all sorts of regular young adult things, um, friends, family, all of that. And then uh, when I was 28, um, in July, so it was July 2017, so we're just over three years ago now, um, I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma, which is um, a, a one of the more common types of breast cancer, um, but mine was triple positive, meaning that it had uh, hormone receptors and then a third protein receptor called HER2. I won't get into all the science of it. Um, but basically that HER2 status meant that my tumor was able to grow uh, faster. And um, also it was grade three, meaning that the cells are like more abnormal. Um, then there's like three grades, one, two, three. So one is like a little abnormal. Three is like, you're really strange. <laughs> so mine were real strange. Um, and then again, usually that means more aggressive or just uh, can can grow faster because uh, it does just weird things that normal cells shouldn't do. Uh, so that really, I, I call it the before times and the, <laughs> and then the now times. So, uh, and that's just a very, I mean, I think we all have these events in our life that kind of mm -hmm separate it. Yeah. And it's sort of like that was before and this is now. And that is definitely one of those for me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, everything changed my life as it was completely stopped. Um, and it just all became about cancer, everything. And, uh, I have, uh, when, whenever I'm confronted with, a, and maybe it's the teacher in me, I'm just a lifelong learner, um, but uh, whenever I'm confronted with a big challenge or, or problem in my life, my instinct is, is to research. Like, what can I learn? What can I do? Uh, how can I help myself? Um, because I'm 
yeah, I've never been one to sort of just sit and wait. It makes me anxious. So uh, I I started for about six to eight months. I did nothing else but research all of the things that I could do in addition to my conventional treatments. So I did, um, I took what we call an integrative approach. Uh, so it's a combination of, for some people, they do everything conventional that they can possibly do. So they do chemo and rads and surgery and if they need to hormone therapy and whatever else is on the table. Uh, and then they'll complement with alternative natural, uh, you know, supplements, diet changes, lifestyle changes, um, and alternative therapies and treatments. Some people do them at the same time, which is more of the approach that I took. So I did some conventional treatments. I did uh, surgery and I did some chemo and I did another drug called Herceptin. And now I'm on another drug called Tamoxifen for about five years and then I'll be done. <laughs> uh, and then I did literally, I think I sent you guys a list before the show, but I literally everything you could possibly imagine from the alternative world, I've probably either researched mm -hmm. it or more likely done it as well. And what that led to is just a complete physical, mental, and emotional transformation that is really unlike anything I could have imagined or could have experienced in any other way. And I, I came through all of it surprisingly well, much better than I thought I would have, you know, before I was diagnosed thinking about it, um, because I thought about it a lot. So my, my dad passed away from cancer when I was 11, and then I had uh, an aunt pass away as well. And there's always just been this voice in the back of my mind, that anxiety monster that tells me, would tell me all the time that I was going to get cancer and that I shouldn't be surprised. And that was honestly one of the first thoughts I had after I was diagnosed was I'm not even surprised. And I'm sure mm. that thinking didn't help, didn't help me. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, um, it was something that I thought about a lot and had a lot of anxiety about throughout my life was just that, that possibility of um, getting sick. And uh, I was always a bit of a uh, you know, I would just go to the the doctor for everything. And honestly, that probably also, you know, if it didn't save my life, it definitely made my experience with cancer easier because I, I caught it when it was very, very early. It was stage one and it hadn't spread to my lymph nodes. And uh, I caught it myself. I found it myself, which is, you know, for young people, that's the usually what happens because we're not at an age where we're old enough to be getting mammograms and that kind of thing yet. So, um, yeah, so actually being anxious about my health probably <laughs> helped me out a little bit. Uh, not that I condone that, but it uh, just being yeah, aware really did uh, help me out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I got through it all, all the, the, the worst of it, I um, the, the first time that I smiled after I was diagnosed was when I realized that I would be able to help people after my own experience, after I'd gotten through it all. And again, I think that's probably the teacher in me is that I just want to, I have this, this deep desire to just share all of my, my knowledge and all of my learning. And um, so the, the form that that has taken now is about a year and a half ago, uh, I started a blog and a, a Facebook group um, where I share a lot about, um, about what I did to heal. Um, I share a lot of, 
you know, new research that's coming out. I talk about, um, and then there's just a really, really heavy, heavy focus on mental and emotional health um, because that's something that's really lacking, unfortunately, in the conventional world when it comes to cancer. Our oncologists are so focused on our physical health, rightly so. Um, And, you know, they'll ask at each appointment, you know, how are you feeling? But of course, we are humans. And generally, we to that question, we just say, oh, we're fine. Everything, you know, it's good. It's fine. Even though, you know, you're sitting in an oncologist's office because you have cancer and (laughs) you're still saying that it's fine. Um, So that's about all of the mental and emotional health check-ins that I got from the conventional world. So, um, yeah, I was lucky enough that a mental and emotional health transformation was a really huge part of um, of this whole journey. And we can get into how that happened and, and what I did. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's what I do now. So I'm still teaching. Um, but I also I do j- uh, just part time and like substitute casual, um, so that I can can focus equally on uh, yeah on writing and on you know being a, a bigger picture uh, sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then that's the other thing too is I have to balance now my health because when we're young we think that we're invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's we're we're just like oh it's fine you know I'm I'm 28 I'll uh, I can you know get six hours of sleep a night and um, be really stressed and work 14 hour days and six days a week and that's fine because I'm young and you know I'll I can relax when I retire. Um, but uh, what I learned of course is that is not necessarily the case and uh, and so now I really have to prioritize. Um, my health, which was something that I really didn't do before. I was, I like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser uh, <laughs> because I just spent so much of my life worrying about what other people wanted and needed from me and not nearly enough time, not even thinking about myself, but not even thinking about like who I was and what I wanted. Like that was just not even something that happened that often. So yeah, now, it, now I have <laughs> different anxiety around my health. Now it's, uh, am I doing, you know, I start getting anxious when I can't, when I, when I'm having trouble fitting in the things that I do, because there's still a lot of stuff that I do uh, on a weekly basis that's preventative. Um, Some of it I do at home, some I have to go to my naturopath's office for, but there's still a lot of time that I invest um, into prevention. And uh, yeah, that can be equally stressful and anxiety inducing when I feel like I don't have time, especially when now that, you know, I'm, um, now that my my focus is expanding again and my life is becoming about more than just cancer um so yeah it can it can it's a it's a different balancing act now with the knowledge of what can happen when i don't take care of myself yeah because that's something that we can ignore until something happens you know? yeah so i have like 712 notes that i want to <laughs> address because you've like you've touched on like 45 things i'm like yep yep yeah, don't talk about that. yeah that's interesting yep um i would just love to like first back up a second and just totally. um and for, firstly thanks for sharing so honestly and wholeheartedly that that's kind of what this show is all about so yeah, that's really appreciated mm-hmm. um, but i wanted to just back up a second and some something that you mentioned as far as you know when you first were faced with this diagnosis you mentioned that you took sort of eight months to 
to really, um, or, or just took all the time necessary to really dive into what this meant and doing the research that it took to, to become confident and comfortable and, and feeling like you were taking the right steps moving forward. Yeah. And I feel like a huge problem with anxiety is that sometimes we don't do the right kind of research. You know, we do the we do the kind of research that validates whatever we think might be happening. So yeah. like we, we, we get, we get into this moment where we're, we start to catastrophize yeah. and then we do the, like a very shallow Google search that validates our catastrophizing. So I would love for you to share your experience of like, what does the, the right research look like through the lens of health anxiety? What, like what's up, what is an, an actual effective way and a way that, um, probably Allison and I aren't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> a really great question. And um, I think at the beginning, I, I was definitely, it was definitely a symptom of anxiety was, um, yeah, research mode. And uh, like now thinking back, now that we say it out loud, you know, I'm like, yeah, actually, probably every time I did that in my life, it was a symptom of anxiety. Um, but, and so, yeah, I, I think sort of the, the initial, that, that initial impetus to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find out. Um, I think just being aware of your emotional state going into it, if you just do a little like check-in and say like, okay, am I in an unbiased, like calm, logical state of mind where I can kind of like look objectively at what I'm finding? Or am I just like so off the charts anxious right now that I'm almost not even going to absorb what it is that I'm reading um, yeah. or that I'm discovering? Um, so I think, yeah, first and foremost, going into it from a place of, yeah, of like, I mean, calm as much as, as possible, but, you know, even just doing, you know, even taking yourself, you know, from like a, a, an eight or a nine down to like a five, um, mm -hmm. can be helpful. Um, yeah. And just, just so that, yeah, you're not doing exactly that. You're not kind of, um, just this anxiety fueled deep dive into a dark hole on, on Google, because especially with like Googling health stuff, um, oh, yeah. that can be terrifying and and yeah really awful and i think i think i think okay so yeah coming at it from like a good uh, as as common emotional place or as solid an emotional place as possible and then two having a, a clear idea about what you're researching so right. i'm not saying like okay i'm just gonna go online and read everything i can about breast cancer and mortality rates and survival rates and just freak myself out to no end mm -hmm. yeah catastrophizing about the worst possible scenario that could come out of this because at the beginning it's the it's the scariest a friend of mine from teachers college she was also diagnosed right when when we were finishing finishing teachers college and i called her as soon as i was diagnosed i think she was the first person other than my partner jesse that i told because she was the only one i knew who had cancer who was still alive because everyone in my family who had cancer had passed away and and she'd had breast cancer too. So I called her and she said to me, it's, it's not going to feel like it right now. And you're probably going to think that I'm, I'm, that this is not correct. What I'm saying. She's like, but right now it's the worst. The, the moment you're in right now is actually the worst possible moment. It's worse than treatment. It's worse than feeling awful. It's worse than anything else that's to come because you don't know what's going on yet. You don't have a plan. You don't know what your pathology is. You're all, you know, is that you have cancer and that's it. So I really didn't start getting right into like 
in-depth research until I had my pathology back about three weeks after that because I had surgery about a week after I was diagnosed and then I got pathology back about two weeks after that. So yeah, it was about three weeks or a month. Um, And at that point, that's when I knew um, you know, the hormone receptor status that I talked about, the HER2 status that I talked about, the grade three, we knew the stage at that point, we knew that there were no lymph nodes involved. So I had a lot more information. I think if I had tried to start researching in that first week where it was just this insane hurricane of anxiety and stress and anger and confusion and resentment and terror, sheer terror, um, it just, yeah, would not have been helpful, it probably would have made things worse because I probably would have found information that I didn't know if it was applicable to me or not. And I would have just, yeah, gone to worst case scenario based on it. So having something specific in mind to research. Um, so whether that's okay, what what is particularly helpful for hormone positive? What is, you know, best case scenario for my my particular staging for my, um, for the, the grade that I have. So having all of that information before diving in is definitely helpful, um, and can help to prevent that. Yeah. Just sort of like tornado (laughs) down into a rabbit hole spiral spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It can help to stop the spiral because you sort of have something to anchor yourself and you're like, okay, I notice that I am getting off track and sort of, yeah, spiraling into, into dangerous territory, I'm going to pull myself back to like the reason that I got online in the first place today. Sorry, I was just going to hop in and just say, when you mentioned a number, I realized we didn't even like check in today, but I kind of feel like we're already into it. Do you think we should yeah, just keep no, going? I think, we should, I think we should just uh, blow past keep, it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's absolutely right. Um, did you want to hop in with a question like that, Allison? Or I'm not sure. I, I'm yeah, sure you've sure. been listening diligently. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm nodding along with everything that you're, uh, you're saying because I have a total tendency of getting on Google with like, Mm. I have cramps in my toes to like, you have poor circulation. You're (laughs) going to die of a heart attack. And like, there's so many times where like, I've just shown up at like various specialists, like demanding like, like, um, excuse me, I'm pretty sure I'm like, my heart is failing. And they're like, uh, why? What? And then they'll like, do like a very like perfunctory exam and uh, be like, yeah, your heart is fine. I think you just need to chill. But um, yeah, I think it's hard, especially like, it's hard for me. One thing I've always struggled with is like, like just feeling confident to ask Mm -hmm. questions and like to really I don't know just like have conversations with uh doctors and I think it's partly because like uh it it can be really hard when you don't have something concrete necessarily to point to you know and like my whole life I've struggled with things like um I would say like mild, not chronic pain, but like it, like intermittent recurring pain mm-hmm. cycles that are just like really unpleasant and like don't completely debilitate me, but like definitely knock me down several pegs. Yeah. And it's always hard for me with seeing doctors and stuff is because I, I don't believe that I'm necessarily going to be um, listened to and taken seriously. And I think that's a big hurdle for people. And I think especially women, just because of like the particular, like hysteric, literally hysteria, uh, and everything kind of 
history that we have, like a little bit of societal trauma Mm -hmm. where you just kind of feel like you're not going to be believed. So why bother? You know, and that's something that like Mm -hmm. in my personal like health journey, like I haven't had as many like peaks and valleys as you have, but like that's something that's always been my struggle is like, well, are doctors going to believe me anyway? Are they going to believe that this is a problem? Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because I have talked to so many women now um, who have had cancer, you know, just through various um, support groups. And and there's just some really amazing organizations, especially for young people with cancer. So I've met a lot of people now who have had cancer and a lot of them women. Um, And I can't tell you the number of times that I have heard from women that they got sent away by their doctor. And it's actually a really interesting piece of my story, too, is that I um, when I, I went to my doctor and she was she was like, OK, well, well, let's do uh, an ultrasound first just to see what it says Um because it's more sensitive than a mammogram. And I said, okay, so we did that. And then it came back that it was inconclusive. It was like, there's some suspicious characteristics, but not, not, not totally. So we're not sure. So they recommended doing a biopsy. And then she said, well, I mean, biopsies are really uncomfortable, which they are. um, And let's try to avoid doing that if possible. So let's do a mammogram and see if we can rule it out. And so I was like, okay, so we did a mammogram and then, um, the the technician could tell that I was like scared and anxious and stressed and uh, they're not supposed to do this, but they showed me, she showed me the image in the room. Um, And she said, look, like, you know, there's the marker over top of where you're feeling the lump. I don't see anything. I think you're okay. But unfortunately a lot of women, especially young women have dense breast tissue and on a mammogram, it all looks the same. It just looks white. It's like looking for a snowball in a snowstorm. It's just white. (laughs) Hmm. And uh, so even though I could literally, I could see my lump, if I pressed my skin down, I could see it with my own eyes through my skin and the mammogram came back negative. Um, And because of the dense breast tissue. So I went back to my family doctor and she's like, okay, well it's negative. And I, I could just tell, she was like, I don't know. She's like, I I just want to do the, the biopsy just in case let's just do it anyway. And I was like, okay, listen to you. That's fine. And everyone was so nonchalant about it. You know, like I think the guy who did my biopsy came in eating a snack and he was like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, I looked at your images. I think you're fine. It's mobile. Usually uh, tumors aren't mobile. They latch on really tight, but you could move mine around, which usually is a sign that it's not cancer. So he was like, it's probably fine, but we'll do it anyway, just in case. And everyone was so relaxed about it that I really, I didn't think that I thought I was fine. And then I went back and I got my results by myself, which I never advise anyone to do just in case I have learned Um, because yeah, I thought I I thought it was going to be fine. And my, and when I told my doc, funnily enough, I told my doctor that I had cancer because she didn't get the results in time. So I went back to her for my pre-op physical and she was like, Oh, is this pre-op for the, um, biopsy and I was like no this is pre-op for a lumpectomy and she's (laughs) and she uh she had no idea yet 
And she was so shocked. And I've known her for a long time. She's been my doctor for a long time. And she was tearing up and she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I shouldn't be doing, I'm supposed to be supporting you. She's like, but usually I have time to like, look at the results and, and, you know, process it. Um, she's like, this is just such a surprise. She's like, you're so young. You don't have any risk factors or very few. Like I did, I was, uh, didn't drink uh, very much, like not heavily. I did, didn't smoke. I thought I ate pretty well. Now I know that I did not. But, um, and she was like, I'm just so shocked. And she's like, I don't know why I sent you for the biopsy. And she said so many times with a negative mammogram and an inconclusive ultrasound, I would have said, come back in six months. It's probably nothing. Um, and she's like, I don't know why I sent you, but I did. And she's like, now I can't help but think about all of the other women that I mm. have sent away saying, you know, come back in six months um, or, you know, just keep an eye on it and let me know if something changes. And she's like, I'm just, she's like, it kind of shook her. It kind of shook her a bit. And yeah. I think it is because we do, they, there is this tendency. And I, and I think, unfortunately it, as you said, Allison, it is more common with women to not be believed um, or to think that it has, yeah, more to do with our emotional state rather than no, like I really believe something's wrong. So not to freak people out, you know, who do get negative test results or do get told by their doctor that you're fine. Cause I've been told by my doctor many times that I'm absolutely fine. And, and, mm -hmm. 99% and of the time, yeah, exactly. It absolutely was fine. Um, but all I can say to that is if you, if you genuine, if you feel like you, you'll know, and it's hard to say if you haven't experienced it, but I now know the difference between like a, in my gut, I know something to be true and a, okay, this is probably just an anxiety monster getting in my head. Um, but so if you have that feeling, that sense that like in your gut, something is wrong, just don't keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. Um, yeah. and don't, and it's easier to say when you like, you know, for me who has a history, it's easier to say like, just go and, and be firm because usually now I'm, I'm taking seriously. But, um, even if you, you know, haven't had anything serious in the past, your health is your own and nobody else's to take care of. So if you feel that something is wrong, you, it's so important that you try to put your, you know, your insecurity or your anxiety um, about not being taken seriously, try to put that aside as much as possible. And just, yeah, keep, keep going back and keep pushing if things, you don't feel like things are getting better on your own. Because yeah, I've spoken to so many women who had to do that. They had to, I spoke to one, a friend of mine, she's a good friend now, but she it took her a year to be diagnosed because she was starting university and her doctor kept telling her it's just stress from starting university. Um, and it, yeah, it took her a year to be diagnosed. So if you, yeah, if you feel like something is wrong, genuinely in your heart, something's wrong. Yeah. It's really important to keep, keep going, keep pushing. The, mm -hmm. the, there's, a, there's a lot there that I think makes a lot of sense. And the one thing that I would say just for anyone listening who, you know, might have health anxiety and be concerned about this, that, and the other, I think it's really, really important to arm yourself with, um, what, what are common, common symptoms of yes. anxiety? Because when I was younger, I really had no conception of how powerful my brain was. Uh -huh. And so there were so many things that were going on that I just 
didn't have the knowledge yet to com- to compute that this could be related to anxiety. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like yeah. I would, um, I'll give you an example. Like I mentioned on the podcast before that in 2011, um, I lost my best friend. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really confront that or deal with that properly. And yeah. um, eventually I got some panic attacks and stuff like that. But um, I started getting these headaches when I was traveling around Southeast Asia and I just didn't understand what was going on. I I had six weeks straight of headaches and eventually I went to a hospital in Bangkok and like I was convinced that, um, you know, like that there was, I was a goner, you know, I just built up this thing so heavy in my head for six weeks, riding buses, so much time to look out the window and think about things like 20, 22 hour rides where Bree's like, how are you doing it? And I'm listening to music, but like the lyrics are like, you know, pretty much changing and morphing into like how I'm going to perish, you know? And, uh, and it it just, I let it built up into something too large so that by the time I finally dealt with it, it was so big. Mm -hmm. And then the doctor I saw in Bangkok was not terribly helpful. He was like, oh, like basically it was like six weeks ahead. Like, that doesn't sound good. You know, I'm like, oh gosh. Hey. So anyways, I got this uh, CAT scan or whatever and, and everything turned out to be fine. But I ended up with being diagnosed with tension headaches, which are, I learned later doing more research are, are not terribly uncommon mm-hmm. um, side effect of a physical side effect of anxiety. Hey. And I've had a few physical side effects of anxiety. I mentioned before as well, when I moved back from Turkey, I had some stuff with my stomach, like gastrointestinal stuff. So Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get at is like, once I understood what I was actually dealing with, it was so much easier to to contend with. So once I understood that the tension headaches were a result of stress and I had to do more stretching and some breathing exercises and, um, you know, try to relax a little bit more and stuff like that. Um, all the time that I spent consumed on catastrophizing and what is this and blah, 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 and so on and so forth, I was able to, to put that energy towards something more positive. So it, so it really is important to figure out what you're dealing with. But I, I would also just you know mention to everybody that um, it, it's not that it could be nothing because it's still something yeah. you know in, in a way, but, it, but it, it, it's also important to understand that once you can contextualize that, once I understood I was dealing with tension headaches and not a tumor, you know what I mean? Um, it was, I was better able to contend with it. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, uh, that's, that, I guess that's what I wanted to highlight was to understand what, what, what can result from anxiety physically. Yeah. Uh, it's so many things. Like it can be like from headaches to your stomach, to your chest, your breathing, it can impact almost every single like organ system in your body. You can get rashes. Like it's insane. And um, I know for me, and I'm sure a lot of people, there's like a, a meme that I've seen, like just playing that game where is this COVID symptoms or my anxiety? And like, but that was like for the first month or so of the pandemic, like, that was me. I convinced myself that I had COVID yeah. like several times because mm-hmm. I had to fly during COVID. I had no choice because we were already in Brazil and had to get back. Right. And after that flight, I convinced myself so thoroughly my body put on like an acting performance worthy of an Oscar. <laughs> like I gave myself the gastrointestinal <laughs> symptoms that I had been reading about. I gave myself like the heart pounding, struggling to breathe feeling. 
that um, I had been reading about. I gave myself all of this to the point where I woke up my husband at five in the morning being like, um, I don't want to worry you, but I might be having a heart attack. So just watch me for a little bit and like make sure I don't die in my sleep or need to go to the hospital. Um, and then I ended up just being like intense, insane panic. But like I knew my body well enough at that point to know, oh, this actually like this could be a heart attack because it's that severe. But mm -hmm. I'm also like. I can watch it. Like it's not at the point where I need to go to a hospital at this exact moment. And like, I just need to watch it and pay attention to it. But I also know this can be anxiety and it can be this severe. And mm -hmm. um, I guess it's just like, I feel like in a way, like your, your body does have a way of knowing when things mm -hmm. are going seriously wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like where you're like, you suddenly go from like the, oh, this is, this is okay to the, like, that I need to be in, to, in a hospital situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I've experienced that moment where you're like, I need to be hospitalized. And like, there's just a moment that clicks over and that's very important. But it's also kind of like important, like not to get ahead of your brain in doing that. Like, it's something yeah. that yeah. you feel in your body, like when you actually really need to, to get help. And it usually comes a little bit after your brain is like, I need help. I need help. It's like, you know, your brain is screaming fire, like when there's just still like a little spark, you know, and right. you kind of wait and watch and be like, oh, okay, this is when, this is what my brain has been doing these fucking fire drills for all this time. It's like, this is actually the moment that I need to act and do something. Rebecca, I want to I let you respond in a second here, but there's just one thing I just wanted to mention that Allison, you really reminded me of. So I, um, at one point was listening to, I think it was like Dennis Simsex's name. And he is like, he, he's, he, he's called himself the anxiety guy. Um, and like, I was going through a point where I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I listened to a bunch of his like, um, tapes and and uh tapes i'm like 70 years old um his, <laughs> i bought his like digital copies of his cds and yeah, yeah. And, and his workbooks <laughs> yeah exactly i had them faxed over to me um and uh at one point he was talking about like how he started to spiral over everything right and he just kind of lost touch with you know what was helpful and what wasn't and 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 i think probably just lost touch with with um, being able to objectively look at things. Yeah. And so he mentions at one point that, that his health anxiety got so bad, like he just was scared to walk upstairs and things like that because they thought his heart was going to explode. Like he just wouldn't do anything that would cause his heart rate to increase. And I think it, just from everything I understood about his journey, it's because he really locked himself into his own mental cage and, and then just sort of like um, it, it was all very kind of the way I think about it is like he was kind of shouting off the walls, but it was all his own reverberation. You know what I mean? Like he didn't let anybody else's um, opinion in or, and he was so convinced of his own. It was one of those classic situations where when he got the appropriate help and started to just give himself some more information to contextualize things, he was able to, to get through it. And then to your point before um, Rebecca, like he attached his struggle to a mission Mm -hmm. And that was huge for him, probably, you know, not um, to the same degree, but like, I don't think it's a mistake that Allison and I started this podcast to talk about anxiety. It, it almost in a way 
doesn't justify the anxiety or, or doesn't, you know, make it okay. But at the same time too, I know that through my struggles, I can learn something to share with others. And I feel like that's a huge aspect of moving forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a few things I want to respond to, but for those of us who get a lot out of helping other people, which I think is most people, it feels really good to help other people. When, when you go through something that causes, you know, lots of negative emotions and causes a lot of anxiety and, you know, is changing your life in ways that you didn't ask for, it can perpetuate those negative feelings and make them worse because then you just start you know, going round and round thinking about like how resentful you are that this is happening to you. And like, why is this happening to me? And like, why is this happening now? And it sucks and it's awful and I hate it. Um, but if you can, if you can, as you said, attach yourself to a mission or attach that experience to a mission, it makes it so much easier to let go of some of that negativity uh, and helps you, yeah, move through it and move forward because then there's, I always say that there's, a, there's a, I believe everything happens for a reason, but I don't mean it in the like predetermined, you know, destiny. There's someone up there who's, you know, got it all figured out and is telling us where to go. Pulling the puppet strings. Yeah, exactly. The puppet strings. Like, it's not like it was like fate predetermined this a hundred years ago. You know, I just mean that in any circumstance, no matter how, awful it is right now or even how awful it is a year later or two years later or 10 years later if you can make the decision to look for you know a reason that something has happened or you you know you're like you know what I'm gonna make a reason myself because I don't see one so I'm gonna make it myself and um so for me that that reason for like why cancer was um, I mean, so I could help other people, but so that I could also help myself. There was a lot of change that needed to happen and it, the universe or whatever recognized that that wasn't going to happen. I was not going <laughs> to, that was not going to happen on, I was not going to do it on my own. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think finding those reasons, even if you have to look really hard, even if they're really tiny at first, like, you know, I wouldn't have met that really wonderful person and I really like them and I'm really glad or, or, you know, I really like my, my doctor and I'm really glad they're part of my team. Like, even if it's just tiny things like that at first and then it'll build, they'll like all more positives will come in more and more. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, attaching a mission uh, is like attaching a reason. It's like attaching a reason for why this is happening. And I'm going to make something positive come out of it. So yeah, I think that if you can do that with your anxiety or with whatever it is that you're going through, um, then that's super helpful. Um, and, and I just wanted to mention to uh, this was going back to, um, what you were saying about, uh, knowing what you were dealing with and how that was super helpful for you, or just made it easier for you to navigate. I think that's also where the like research and stuff came in for me because you know once once I knew that there was once I understood cancer as a as a beast you know like once I understood why it happens and how it happens and once I you know through testing and and work with my naturopath once I understood what the likely root causes were for me 
and then also understanding that I am a unique person and what is happening to me, even though someone else may have cancer, may have the exact same cancer that I have, I developed it for my own reasons unique to my body and the environment that has been created within my body. So yeah, my set of factors is going to be different than that person. So I think if you finding yourself like spiraling down into a hole again of like stats and, and, and research, I think understanding your situation um, as it is makes it easier to navigate and then reminding yourself that I am me. I am not that person. So even though, you know, they're experiencing that and it might be similar to what I am going through, it doesn't mean that because it turns out one way for them that it's going to turn out the exact same way for me. Um, mm. Because, yeah, we are all unique individuals and, uh, yeah, and, you know, everything happens to us for different reasons. So, um, yeah, someone else's story does not dictate your own when it comes, especially when it comes to your health, because we're so, yeah, we're so individual and we're so unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. It can be really easy to start comparing yourself to someone else as a benchmark. Um, but it's really important. I think exactly. Every person is unique. Uh, there's so many factors that go into our overall health, like mental, physical, environmental, social, childhood everything it really all it's such a complex thing epigenetics play a role everything it's all really interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah it's i guess it's important not to take anyone else's experience as your as like the baseline and like you know not to confuse like an anecdote with data and be like therefore this is what is going to happen to me yeah exactly yeah and and I think even even in the, I think in the context of cancer, looking at the data can be really scary because I mean we we're making progress, but it's not nearly as fast as anyone would like, I don't think. And um, so it can be really scary looking at those numbers that are that are you know typical for whatever, whether it's your cancer or your stage or whatever. So yeah, I think even, even if it's data you're looking at, you, you still just have to remind yourself, like, I am not a number. I am not, you know, just because that that's what happens. Um, yeah. For some people that, yeah, does not necessarily mean that that's going to happen to me. And I think for me anyway, jumping in, I, I like to call it becoming an active member of my own healthcare team. And it was like, I was sort of my own nurse or my own doctor or just, you know, another one on the team just making myself aware of all of the things that I could do that could potentially have an impact on my health in a positive way. My, my mindset was always, if it's not going to hurt me and it's going to potentially help me, then I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think that did so much for my mental and emotional health going through this whole experience because I wasn't just sort of sitting and waiting for the next appointment with my doctor. Um, and to be told what to do next, I was, you know, on a daily basis making choices yeah. that I knew were going to be helping me. Um, it gave you an element of control back that definitely. you were missing from your initial diagnosis where Absolutely. you're kind of gobsmacked and yeah. stunned into some like yeah. inaction and just like reeling and then having, you know, uh, a plan is helpful, even if it doesn't really clear up you know, any of the like kind of like lingering 
doom and gloom, like worst yeah. worst case fears that you can kind of go into. I imagine on the day to day, it creates yeah. more of a sense of calm. Like I'm doing, and it's nice to I think know, you know that that adage about uh, better to regret something you did than didn't do. It's mm-hmm. better to have tried all your avenues and feel yeah. like I have nothing left to exhaust. I've done everything. Okay. You I've know, done everything I can. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, it's true. Cause when, when you're diagnosed with, I mean, anything really it's, um, you do, you have that sense of like helplessness and a loss of control and like your body's betrayed you. Um, and it's, uh, it, yeah, it can be a hard thing to deal with and it can be hard to trust yourself again. And it can be hard to trust mm. your, your your body again, you know, and to be like, well, how do I know you're not going to do this again to me? Um, and I think, yeah, a big part of, of getting out of that sort of, yeah. Cause it's, cause uh, with, with chronic illness and, and cancer and other diseases, it's so hard not to spin into the future and like what could happen. Like that is mm-hmm. my biggest struggle now is um, dealing with the fear of the future and because breast cancer, unfortunately, is one of those cancers that just tends to recur, you know, five years, 10 years, even 20 years later. So there's always this sense of like, I'm never really out of the woods, um, which is something that I'm, you know, that's going to be an ongoing source of anxiety that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my long and happy life. But um, it will be, uh, yeah, it, it is. That's like the biggest thing that I deal with now is, um is worrying about the future and what might happen uh, in terms of a recurrence in the future. But again, understanding what I'm dealing with and knowing what I can do to help myself out and all the things like there's so much we can do to reduce our risk of lots of different um, health problems and diseases. Um, and so knowing that makes me feel so much better it's I go through these like interesting cycles of anxiety where it'll just like ramp up slowly over the course of like sometimes days sometimes weeks and then I'll have a day where I'm just like so worried about the future and what might happen that like I can't focus on anything else and so I have to just like go through the list in my head of what, what are all the things that I'm doing to help my health? What are all the things that I have done? And just remind myself, you know, like you've been here before, you've done so much, look at what you've done and what you've come through. And, um, and just reminding myself that it's so much easier said than done, but like it hasn't happened yet and it may never happen. So my mom always says you end up like hurting yourself twice when you like worry about something that hasn't happened yet because you hurt yourself mm-hmm. now by worrying about it. And then if it does happen, then you have to worry about it all over again. But it's so much easier said than done. Just just don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't just don't worry. It's no problem. Get a pina colada. Just hang out. But although I'm guessing guessing pina colada is probably on the list of yeah, uh, it's on the no no list. Thing on the no no list. Yeah, but um, I, I think that's really powerful actually to to try and think about things in terms of okay, so I'm 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 doing everything I can. I'm putting all the eggs in the right basket, and and that's kind of all I can do at this point. Yeah. I like the idea also very much easier said than done when you reach that breaking point, so to speak, where you 
pull back and, you know, try and ask yourself those questions, um, like just to try and ground yourself again. And that's something that I've had to do quite a bit during this time, not necessarily with health, but just with, um, you know, there can be moments where, you know, I think overwhelm comes easy right now. And, um, you know, for me, I, I just know what I need to do now, which is like, I've got to change my environment to try and change my thoughts. So if I've been sitting in my office for 10 hours and I'm starting to, you know, get into a certain place, I recognize that oftentimes it's, it's as simple for me as to get outside and go for a walk, you know, just give myself 10 minutes to reframe and sort of come back to the environment where I was, you know, in quicksand, so to speak, and just give myself the chance to, to refresh that a little bit. And um, it, it's probably the same for, all three of us, I'm guessing, where over time you just have a whole bunch of little tactics in your pocket mm-hmm. that you know you can trust and lean on. And uh, sometimes your pocket just bursts into flames and yeah. you're like, where are all the things? Now? Know, right? but, uh, you forget about all of the things that you've been doing for the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But oftentimes if I dig deep enough, I can find those yeah. things in that, uh, in that pocket. I guess that um, would be a good place to transition into the kind of second last part of the episode where we talk about some tips and tricks. And you've already done a fantastic job of speaking through that lens already, Rebecca, but I'm curious if there's anything else um, that you'd love to just sort of talk about some things you've learned, tips and tricks. Obviously, Allison, same for you, if there's anything that comes to mind. Yeah. And let's do either of you have anything you else you wanted to say before we move into that segment. I just know for me, one of my main issues with health anxiety is also just like a a result of my procrastination. And so I'll often have like follow-ups and stuff like kind of looming over my head as like, Mm, you know, a open circle on my to-do list kind of thing. And uh, that's just sometimes where like a lot of my personal health anxiety comes in is like, oh, I never actually finished this. And I think it's my health anxiety that fuels it, but then it also keeps me from finishing the, like, the checkup and stuff, you know? So I definitely have a couple, like, things where it's like, oh, shit, I never followed up on this or this or this. And it just always feels like I have, like, I don't know, like, five different medical professionals who I'm like, oh, shit, I've been ghosting them. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's going to be extremely common for for listeners who are are listening. I quite literally have something on my to-do list (laughs) for today to go check out, which I've been putting off for a week and and, uh, nothing, you know, I I don't think it's anything terribly, like, really, really time-sensitive or pertinent, but it's just something that... um, I realized for myself that those things that you're talking about, Allison, that we like procrastinate over and over again, they do exactly what we've talked about in the past, which is like they become that snowball that rolls down the hill and gets bigger and bigger. And, and the problem is I don't remember the snowball until it comes crashing down the hill towards me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like a, (laughs) that's like a snow boulder. Um, (laughs) And, and then you have to deal with it. And so it's, Again, one of these like, oh my gosh, so much easier said than done. I want to come through and punch you in the face through the mic, Chris. Um, <laughs> but it's like, if we can take the time at the beginning to to address things when they're you know a little bit smaller and, yeah. and still small to us, and we haven't built them into so much and assigned so much to them. I mean, like that that's my quintessential problem is that I've already been playing doctor for two months, <laughs> you know, in my head and. Uh, 
and of course have uh, I often forget to realize that I never did go and get my doctorate. So <laughs> I have to back up all, I don't a lot think of the time. Medical doctors get doctorates, do they? I think that's like not. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, an I MD. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So we'll. Um, I'm gonna leave that in because yeah. I, I don't want to. I, I just want to show how fallible I am. Yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah, so not a doctor. But I guess that I don't have my um, my MD. MD is that is MD, that the right way? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's I definitely don't MD, have that. PhD. And no, if I think it's like it's MD. But like if you're a real like overachiever like badass out there, then you're an MD PhD. MD PhD. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely don't have any of those letters. <laughs> None of those After, letters. I think we. I think we we can firmly circle that. I don't have any of those letters. But you know what I do have is I have a English degree. Uh, you know a, a, where I spent a lot of time taking information and creating theses. You know, mm -hmm. and so it's like I'm really good at taking information and having them fit. You know what my thesis was. I mean, I spent my entire university career figuring out what I wanted things to say and then adding facts to the pile to, to validate that. <laughs> so that's kind of what I'm, that's what I'm naturally good at that I have to battle because if I'm not careful, I create an unfounded thesis and then get all the information I need to create a three paragraph argument. Um, so anyways, but part of that's understanding our own minds. Right. Um, and, and that's like, I just know I have a predilection that doesn't necessarily always make it any easier, but again, it's part of the way that I'm able to step back and understand my mind a little bit better. Anyways, moral of that story, I'm not an MD, PhD, all-star. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I th I, that was a, a great little addition there. Um, so moving back, I guess, into to some final tips and things like that. Um, Rebecca, I don't know if you've like already tapped into your stronghold of tips and have tapped everything. I get the feeling probably not because uh, you, have a, you have a lot, uh, a lot of great stuff to say. But um, yeah, let's move into our second last little segment here where we share maybe just some things that might help some of our listeners who are contending with their own um, health anxiety or, or struggles and just anything that we might know from experience that might help others here. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I feel like it's a pretty stereotypical one and people, some people maybe roll their eyes at it, but for me, like meditation honestly was uh, like a lifesaver in so like in, in many different ways. Like I, I, I had never meditated before and I really, I just, started as a means of dealing with the like near constant anxiety and stress that I was dealing with right after I was diagnosed. And because then you get into this crazy, this crazy cycle where you read about how bad stress is for your health. Yeah, yes. And you're like, you're stressed about being stressed. Oh my God. Yes. I resonate with this. So I want to like ring a bell right now. Like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, I got to do something about this stress. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's really what, what I started. And, and there's lots of like meditations specifically for health on YouTube, um, like guided meditations and stuff. So I started doing some of those, you know, like imagining healing light and stuff. So it was calming, just meditating. But then there was also, I was like, maybe in some way this is helping on a, like a physical level to heal too. Mm -hmm. um, and then what ended up, happening eventually was like meditation was the 
the door through which or the means by which I was able to like connect with myself. Like I realized now looking back and, and it stems from my people pleasing and my like anxiety surrounding everyone needing to be okay and to like me. Um, I, I was just disconnected from myself. I was, cause I was so focused on everybody else that I was really disconnected from myself mentally and emotionally, but also physically. Um, and meditation, yeah, was sort of the, the means by which I got sort of back in touch with myself. And it was really the starting point of all of my like mental, emotional and, and physical change. Um, and it just really connected me with my intuition and my gut feeling and my gut instinct about things. It made it easier for me to make decisions moving forward. It made it easier for me to be confident in those decisions. Um, and it honestly made it easier for me to have less anxiety surrounding my health because I really feel now like I'm going to know if something is wrong. And like, I knew before, like when I felt that lump, there are times where I've been able to easily talk myself out of going to the doctor. Also probably some anxiety over not wanting to deal with that. Like we were just talking about, but also, yeah, there have been times where I've been like, I'm sure it's nothing. Um, but that when I felt it, it was just like an instant in my gut. I need, I need to go get it checked out. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that is now even amplified even more. So I guess, yeah, like, and it doesn't have to be meditation, but whatever it is that's going to allow you to get, in touch with yourself again um, so that you can, I mean, it's just be aware of where you are mentally and emotionally so you can do something about it when you notice that things are really ramping up and then physically so that you, you, yeah, you know, when something's wrong, like we talked about before, like if you really feel like something's wrong, it's important to be able to recognize when, okay, this is something I'm in my gut. I'm feeling like I need to do something about, or this is just, you know, anxiety monster talking. So yeah, for me, that, I mean, that, that was meditation and it was huge, but it doesn't have to be like walking and hiking is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yoga is great. Um, just exercise in general, writing, dancing, singing, like doing arts and crafts, coloring those like adult coloring books. Mm -hmm. um, these are like all things that I did at one point or other, but they're whatever's going to sort of put you into that meditative uh, state where you're able, your brain, even though you're not asleep, your brain's able to sort of rest and recover. Your body's able to rest and recover a bit. And uh, yeah, because it's really easy. I'm sure you guys and everybody listening knows how easy it is to get sucked into those, yeah, those spirals of, of negative vortexes. Yeah, <laughs> vortexes. That's right. So yeah, just being aware of when that's learning to be aware of when that's happening for you, of what those symptoms mm -hmm. are for you, of what your stress symptoms are, because they might be different or your anxiety symptoms, they might be different for, for everybody. So being aware of, yeah, what those symptoms are for you and then doing something that puts you in that sort of calm meditative state. Yeah. Whether that's meditation itself or whether that's, yeah, anything else I mentioned, exercising and um, coloring and yeah, hobbies, any of your hobbies, I would say spending time with friends, but that's not happening. Right not, not yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then I, and then, and then for me again, a huge thing that was really helpful for um, my mental health surrounding my health was, um, yeah, being an active patient being any, even if you don't have something that is 
um, you know, actively going on, just having that mindset of, of, you know, my health is my own, I have more control over it than I think that I do in this moment or any moment, because we really do have a lot more control over our, our health than we think we do. Um, and just reminding myself of that in any given moment is extremely helpful. Um, and just knowing that like, you know, yeah, I, there's lots of resources I can turn to, um, where I, you know, if, if there is something going on that I don't know, I can, you know, I have wonderful doctors. I have, I know like, you know, the proper place to look for information online, not, not just, uh, you know, Wikipedia. Um, and, uh, yeah, just taking that active role in your health because it really does give you that sense of control and that helps so much with the fear and the anxiety and the stress surrounding, you know, cancer, but really any, any, any health, issue. Even it's just sort of like an amorphous, you know, my health might be bad. I don't know. Um, yeah, just, just knowing that there's a lot you can, you can do if you take that active role, that is just super, super helpful. Gaining agency. Agency. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that's, that's fantastic. Allison, do you want to chime in there as well? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when we first learn that we have an anxiety disorder, I think it's very common for a lot of us who've been diagnosed with anxiety to show up in the doctor's office because there's something physically wrong with your body or you think there's something physically wrong with your body. Like I like felt like I was dying. I was like, I, I didn't go see like a psychologist first. I saw like a, you know, like a regular doctor and was like, um, so I constantly feel like I'm dying. It's really scary. And they're like, you have anxiety. And I think that's actually fairly normal. A mm. lot of people who I know who are developing anxiety or like they they initially start having symptoms that they think are like, you know, related to like a heart condition yeah. or other things that are like mm. a, you know, Chris with your headaches that you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. A lot of people present physically first before realizing the sort of mind body connection and realizing that a lot of what they're feeling is is your brain right so I think first of all like it's normal for you to not know that right away and it's perfectly fine to find that out by going to a doctor and being like Mm. um something's wrong with me and they say oh it's just quote it's just anxiety like that's not that that in itself is helpful information like that's something you didn't know about yourself that you know now and now you can treat it and now you can start to look at what those symptoms are and then when you start to feel like that then you can say well does this match this known anxiety symptom or not and they can progress and change over time like I used to always have a lot of trouble with like chest tightness and trouble breathing But now my anxiety manifests like more physically, like with my stomach and other issues that I never used to have before. Mm. And so I think it's just important to to know that that's actually a pretty common pathway and Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't mean like you're crazy because those things are all real and happening to you. But the genesis is from like your brain rather than something else going on in your body. So that's been helpful for me with my own relationship with my anxiety as being like, I don't know, just recognizing the physicality of it 
and trying not to then make that a worry about every single health issue that I feel like I'm having because I think that can also be really uh, it can be really difficult to separate what is an anxiety symptom, what is your health. And it's fine if you can't. Like that's that doesn't make you like a quote hysterical individual. Mm-hmm. It just means right. anxiety is really freaking powerful. Our brains yeah. can do all sorts of things. And uh it's not it's not a failing, you know, it's like <laughs> that is actually the design. Your body is designed to make like anxiety happens because your body is like you know thinking that something is a problem and you're not paying attention to it so like i'm just gonna make this a really fucking big deal so that you can't ignore it (laughs) yeah it's just like let me turn the volume to 11 and just shout in your ear for a little while so that you can't ignore this and so like that's a response that your body does like a fight or flight response that your body is like kind of like activating as a drill just being like testing testing and so that is why you get the physical symptoms and that's like perfectly normal and it's also normal sometimes to have the physical symptoms without really understanding the mental spiral that you're having sometimes Mm -hmm. you're you're still so far away from understanding what it is mentally that you're stressed about that you might just have like this overwhelming feeling of dread and anxiety as well and yeah. uh, you may not even know what the mental stuff is. You just have this like overwhelming like pressure physically, like what? And that is also like that is also anxiety. I don't know that that's really a tip. That was just no, no, it is really it's, random yeah. rant. But um, no, no, it's, basically, it's definitely helpful. Your brain is super powerful, and uh, mm-hmm. don't think that you're crazy if someone says, "quote It's just anxiety." Like yeah. that is, and that is helpful information. That is it. That is a, it's not the diagnosis you thought you might get, but it's a really helpful diagnosis for learning how to like orient your future and treat your anxiety. Yeah. Cause then you know what you're dealing with at that point. Like what you were saying before, yeah. Chris. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's exactly, exactly. Right. I don't know if you wanted to continue with that for a second, Rebecca or not. Um, but oh. uh, yeah, feel, no. feel free to. Yeah. I think it's just um, that, yeah, what once you because it's so much easier to uh, to like spiral as we've been saying when you don't know uh, what it is that you're dealing with or when you just like are letting your brain want to run wild with like what it could be. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's like even though like you said, Allison, it might not be what you were expecting to hear going in, but it is all helpful information. And actually, it's funny. My mom tells me that all the time now, like when I have to, because I get, I mean, scan, scan, we call it scan anxiety when you have to like go for a scan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like that process of ramping up anxiety for like weeks beforehand and then the waiting. And so my mom always tells me, she's like, you know what, whatever the results are, it's just information. Like even if yeah. you know, it's not the results that you necessarily, if they're not ideal or it's not what you were hoping for, like it's just information that you can then take to help you, you know, move forward and deal with whatever's coming next. So I think that's like a really good point to make that. Yeah. Even if someone says it's just anxiety. Um, also those people probably have never felt real anxiety. <laughs> Uh they uh yeah it's uh it's all just information and if you can look at it from that perspective then that's really gonna help you too that's yeah that's that's um that's a great addition i think it's when you guys were talking i mean this episode in particular i just feel like i've been nodding my head the entire time Mm -hmm. um and that's a good thing i mean hopefully our listeners are as well but it's 
it's interesting, Allison, you mentioned, like, I remember the first time I went to the doctor, like I was having some heart, like what I thought was hard stuff. And I went to the doctor and was like, listen, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I think there's something going on with my heart. Like I'm kind of freaked out or whatever. And she's like, well, I can give you like something for like gastrointestinal stuff. Cause like, it's not your heart based on what you're describing. And she's like, and, and that's when I think I mentioned this in the previous episode as well, that as she mentioned, like, I think you should check out this book called mind over mood. Mm. And I, and I like quickly checked on my phone or something like that, or I, I don't know whether or not I had a phone at that point. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I guess it's not that long ago. I'm sure I did, but. Um, and you know, the 1800s before phones had been invented. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyways, I checked it out and I was like, it was like this workbook for anxiety and I was almost insulted. I was like, like, you think this is anxiety? Like I have these physical, you know, I just didn't yeah. understand what anxiety encompassed. And I was almost, I, I had this very narrow perception that like, like you don't understand, like I'm this like really outgoing person. Like I don't, uh, I have, like, I have the, whatever the, whatever the opposite of fear of meeting people is, that's me, you know? And <laughs> And then I, but I neglected to realize that anxiety is so multifaceted and the, whatever conception I had of anxiety being like this very one-sided version of like the person who stays in and is meek and, you know, so on and so forth. That's just, you know, a really uneducated view of what anxiety encompasses. And, And in fact, the more you research anxiety, the more it becomes clear that even the way that we talk about, you know, anxiety itself as as being one thing is it can be misguided at times because it's often you know anxiety and adhd and so on and anxiety and depression and whatever and and realistically if we can just get rid of labels it's just that we're all contending with a few different things and labels help us um give us that information so that we can you know move forward with things that have helped other people Um, and that's really kind of why we are obsessed with labeling and filing because it's a little easier to say like I'm prone to anxiety and grew up with ADHD than it is to be like, I'm complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I guess that's that's, a bit of that sense of control, I think too, right? If you can can put a label on it, then it's more concrete as opposed to just like, Oh God, it could be any of exactly things. Yeah. 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 I I think that's, I think that's a perfect place to, to, to wrap things up, I think there's a lot there that I hope people will walk away with and um, and feel like they can add that to their pocket or whatever I mentioned before. You're really obsessed with pockets today, Chris. <laughs> you know, there's, there's always one thing that I am obsessed with. I just yeah, uh, do it. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't help it. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, our last segment. Um, if you've been listening for a while, no, Rebecca, you'll know that it's just uh, we we finish in a positive way. We give ourselves a pat on the back for typically something that's happened recently that we've overcome or realized or understood. But frankly, you know, it can be anything, however far back you want to dig. Um, and really, I just go with a long intro here to buy you guys time <laughs> to, really, to really think about that. So um, is there anything that you're thinking of um, that you want to pat yourself on the back for? I guess, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I think for me, the I mean... I got through cancer. Yay. That's a big one. That's a a huge pound of that. But I think, I mean, I I also have 
can have, I deal with social anxiety because I'm definitely more of an introvert. Um, I'm just, I've just gotten really good at pretending to be an extrovert. I was say, you fooled me, Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually was, I would always call myself an extrovert until like five years ago when I, when I really realized. Um, but uh, so for me, I think sharing so openly about what I went through and starting Orenda and starting the blog and the Facebook group that was like super scary and anxiety inducing especially with like my people pleasing and it was just this like storm in my head of like oh god people are people gonna like it are they gonna listen are they gonna think I'm crazy are they gonna respond are they gonna think I'm doing a bad job are they you know (laughs) it was just this constant stream of what ifs in my head so that was a huge hurdle for me in terms of anxiety just just putting myself out there and putting what I went through out there and and you know yeah what I did to heal but uh yeah I mean years ago there's no way I would have done it um and so yeah it's just an indication I guess of how how far I've come or how much I've grown um and uh yeah so that's pat on the back for me for sure yeah many 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 very very well deserved pat thanks Mm -hmm. definitely um, Elton, do you want to pat away? Yeah. After the audacity of being asked the same question week after week and not preparing, I finally <laughs> uh, did prepare this time. Nice. Uh, and so I will just say that I was initially really bummed about celebrating Thanksgiving last week. Uh, last Thursday was uh, Thanksgiving in America. And um, so I always do like a little something even when I don't live there, like I host or do something and I was getting really bummed about it and was like, this is just going to be fucking horrible. Why even bother? And kind of just getting into that sort of like, you know, I feel like shit. So let me make myself feel more like shit kind of yeah, uh, yep, yep, shit yep. heaps. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, you know what? Like, I am, I realized I am only punishing myself if I don't celebrate. Like it doesn't do anything to change the year or the circumstances or anything. It just means that I'm going to be sadder. So like, I was just like, fuck it. Like it's just us two and I don't get to host or, you know, um, do anything special like I had hoped maybe because, you know, our cases were were low here in Bulgaria for a bit. So I thought like a month before, like, oh yeah, I'll be able to host, you know, a small get together with a couple of people should be fine. And then I saw, you know, where things were headed was like, "Mm, I'm going to take a sharp left on that and say no. But um, yeah, just celebrating anyway and trying to make the best of it and have as good of a day as possible. And it was really successful. And I also just finished my Thanksgiving leftovers today. So it was done like a true American Thanksgiving. So (laughs) I'm just happy that I pulled it off. (laughs) Great. Great. I like that a lot. Uh, You prepared and I didn't. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, that's all right. I mean, I'll just... uh, make it i mean i had a general idea of what i wanted to say anyways but yeah i'm i guess i'm just patting myself on the back for i mean i don't want to be too similar to last week which was, i mean last week i just mentioned that i'm patting myself on the back for just getting up every day and continuing to to work the things that i'm that i'm you know that i'm focused on at the moment but i think the the broader thing that i'm patting myself on the back for is that this has been a time of great struggle for me because everything that's going on in this moment is like provides difficulty for me in the way that I 
used to cope with anxiety and mental health, which was like seeing people being outside and biking all the time because winter's coming and all this kind of stuff. So I, I got concerned about all that kind of stuff. And um, I, I'm, I'm patting myself on the back for realizing that I'm learning some important lessons right now that I'm going to be able to carry with me. Um, and I think some of those lessons are becoming really crystallized right now. And I'm understanding that uh, it's not easy to learn some things, as obviously Rebecca communicated clearly in this episode, that sometimes we are dealt uh, cards we don't want to play and, and in figuring out how to play them is is uh, is a lesson unto itself. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm going through right now. And I and I was um, kind of joking with Bree last night, even though it doesn't sound like a joking sentence, but I was I was kind of joking like this period is like, it's kind of like this double scale that's like equal parts soul crushing and character building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so it kind of depends on the day. Some days it's soul crushing full tilt. Yeah. And some days it's character building full tilt. But I'm getting to a place um, probably right at the right time because we're not close to this being over. And I need this something else to grasp onto to get through this. But I've crystallized this understanding that um, – like and probably actually in line with exactly what we talked about of like assigning something to your struggle and your purpose to make it at least feel like it's not for nothing like i think that's where i'm getting to i'm i'm deciding that um you know every day is not easy but i probably don't learn as much on easy days so that's true yeah so that's where i'm at and it doesn't make them any easier like i probably would uh you know pay pretty decent money to trade yesterday for another day. But, but at the same time too, you know, maybe I wouldn't because I'm bringing something into this conversation and into the understanding of myself that, that means something. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it'll mean something more a year from now. I don't know. Right. It's yeah. I say now that like, I, it sounds like people will probably think that I'm out of my mind for saying it, but I would, I wouldn't take cancer back if I could, because exactly what you just said, Chris, is that I feel like, uh, it was equal parts soul crushing and character building, you know, like sometimes things have to be completely destroyed before you can rebuild them. And um, yeah. And I think it's the same with COVID too. Yeah. It's like where a lot of good is going to come from this really terrible circumstance. We just can't yeah, see it not yet. yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll take it day by day. But yeah. I think that is a really, um, I think it's a powerful note to end on actually to, to just, uh, I, I like, I think we, probably all three of us accidentally just made that come full circle <laughs> and I'm just terrified to mess it up. Uh, but, but uh, at the same time too, I don't want to finish the episode without just giving you a quick chance, Rebecca, to talk about where people can find you and feel free to speak um, quickly because we'll put it all in the show notes. So you don't have to like, you don't have to explain everything in uh, like crazy depth. We'll, um, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes for everybody um, in the episode description. But um, you do a lot of really, um, I don't know. I, I look from the sidelines with a with a lot of, I don't know what the right word is. I just I think it's it's powerful what you're doing. So I would love to um, give a nod in that direction if you want to take a moment to talk about that. Yeah. So there's a a, a lot of different places you can find me. The um the the blog itself is on uh, arendablog.ca. So o r e n d a blog.ca. Um, and then, uh, the Facebook group is Orenda Cancer Community. So O-R-E-N-D-A and then Cancer Community. So if you just searched for like Orenda Cancer Community on Facebook, you would find it. Um, same thing for Instagram. 
And uh, yeah, I, I on the website, you can also join um, my mailing list. If you scroll down to the, the bottom, there's a green box there and you can uh, join the mailing list. Um, uh, yeah, so I do a lot. I, I post in the Facebook group the most um, and I do like a mental health Monday every Monday. And then uh, I post a few things that are uh, either related to like my personal journey or just to cancer uh, and health in general. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, every week I send out, I call it a love note, uh, in my, uh, yeah. And the, it's like a, a newsletter, but it's just a, a really nice opportunity for me to show some love to everybody and talk about what, what is on my mind that week. And, uh, yeah. So the, the best and easiest places is the website and you can get to like the Facebook group and stuff like that from Fantastic. there as well. Um, probably everyone knows where to find us, right? Allison. <laughs> Yeah, I think you know where to find us. We'll be back next week. And where you can also find us on We're Anxious About, our Facebook group for listeners. Sure. And a huge thank you to Rebecca for coming on today. Thank you so much. I think that was um, a really good episode. I learned a lot just by listening to a lot of what you had to say. And I'm really happy and, and sort of proud that we're going to okay. be able to put this on our channels and obviously our goal is to try and uh, make sure that some of this information will be helpful to other people who might be struggling so you know that's the that's the ultimate goal but thank you so much for your contribution to to that it's we really appreciate it yeah absolutely my pleasure it's my my whole thing now right this is why it happened so i could help other people so thank you for helping me to do that thanks so much for coming on and uh sharing your story with us we really sure. appreciate it um, and for everybody who's listening, uh, you can find us uh, back in your feeds next week. Um, if you really like our voices, you can go back and to our archive, which is getting larger by the day. Um, thank you again to Rick for coming on the show today. We'll have that information in the show description and wishing everyone a great rest of the week, weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.